So, uh, got a question. What do, you, what do you call a hippie's wife? A hippie's wife. Anybody know? Mississippi. Got to let that sink in for a second. Mississippi, right? A hippie's wife is Mississippi. Mrs. Ippy. Get it? Yeah, there we go. I got you on that one. I had to explain it. That's, that's pretty bad when you got to explain it. All right. Well, welcome, everyone, again. Thanks for Scott for filling me in, filling in for me last week. And, you know, we've been studying, uh, or we've been asking the question, can we trust the Bible the last few weeks? And, by the way, this will be our last lesson on this uh, next week. Uh, the first Sunday in August, we're going to be starting a new quarter, and we will begin a survey of, of the book of Mark, and that'll go at least, probably at least two quarters, uh, maybe a little more. We'll see how that goes, but it's going to be a good study. Uh, the book of Mark is a great gospel. It's, uh, uh, of course, the shortest gospel, very succinct, I think. Uh, it's the gospel that I, pro I would probably use, uh, I have used, to talk to someone about uh, my testimony, to talk to someone about Jesus Christ. It's very to the point, it's very, uh, it's very short, very succinct, and it's easy to understand. I think it'll be a great study for all of us. But we've been looking at, at the, that question, can we trust the Bible? And we've looked at several things, right, in, in, in relation to that. We've seen that it has been faithfully preserved and faithfully translated, right? We talked about that a lot. We also talked about the books that are in the Bible that serve as the authority or our canon in religion, that standard, right? That standard of books. And we looked at the reasons why these books were included and some others were not. We also talked about the fact that it is inspired of God and how you can take the scripture for its truth and for its word uh, to say that it is inspired. We read several verses where it talks about that it is inspired of God. And if you're going to believe that, you pretty much got to believe the Bible, right? You pretty much got to believe what it says, right? And then Scott talked about last week, answered the question of can it be understood? And of course it can. It's very simple and plain. And the Bible does not contradict itself, right? All these guys, all these, these writers over so many different years wrote about similar things and the same thing. They don't contradict each other. And that's an evidence right there that the Spirit was involved in the writing. For example, some accept in addition to the Bible traditions, right? Traditions in their church, which have uh, developed over the years, okay? We know that there have been papal or ecclesiastical decrees, which have been, I guess, uttered or written down to become gospel, right? To become part of scripture over time, which allows certain traditions or things to creep in. These things have come in over time, and they have been accepted in addition to the Bible, We've seen where there have been prophets, latter-day prophets, right? Modern-day prophets that have come in to try to say there are certain new revelations, right? There are certain new things that have been added, that, that has been revealed to them in addition to what we have in Scripture. So we have these things going on. These people allow such revelations to take precedence over the Scripture, to take authority where perhaps they don't need to be. And they'll even reject the all-sufficiency of the Scripture. The fact that the Scriptures are all we need. We have what we need, and that's all we need. What does this produce? What comes from this? Well, 
you got a lot of religious confusion out there, don't you? The fruit of all of these things that have come about since then is confusion, is what is true and what is not true, what, what is right, what can we depend on and what, can't, what do we have to reject, right? you got a lot of that going on. The way out of this confusion is to recognize the need for a standard, for an authority, which should be the Scriptures. In fact, which should be, and we're going to talk a little more about that, the Scriptures by themselves. We're going to talk about the all-sufficiency of the Scripture. Scriptures meaning the canon of the Bible, the canon that we have today presented to us. We have all we need. Scripture is very plain about that. Turn over to Acts chapter 20, and let's see what, uh, what Paul had to say about this. Acts chapter 20, and around verse, uh, oh, around verse 17, let's begin reading. It says, From Aletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Here we have Paul saying, I, I, I delivered it all. I came here and I proclaimed everything you need. You have it all. You have no excuse. Turn over to verse 27 there and see what else he said. Actually, let's begin in verse 25. He says, And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, notice what he says there. What's he preaching? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That is now at hand. That is the church is part of, and here on earth, the part of that kingdom of heaven there where Christ is reigning. We'll see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God. There he says it again. He's delivered it all. Everything that they need. They've got the whole counsel of God. They don't need it anymore. They don't need anything else. 200 verse 32 there. So now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You see this whole counsel of God Entrust, he's entrusted to those the Word of God, which is sufficient to build you up, which was sufficient to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Who are those that are sanctified? Us, children of God. Those who have been set apart, have been saved, made saints. By the way, do you know you're a saint? Just so, just saying, you know. You're sanctified. You've been set apart for good work. Set apart for God's purpose. You have all you need. Paul's telling you that. He's delivered it all. He did not leave to them any revelations or apostles yet to come. He did not believe, believe to them any part of the word which was not going to be spoken at that time. He, he delivered it all. It was all there for him. What did Peter have to say about all this? Turn over to 2 Peter and let's see what he had to say in his letters. <clears throat> For Second Peter chapter one, just begin at verse one. It says Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained 
like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all, wait a minute, make motion of that word, all things, not some things, not a few things, not some things and other things, things that, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Peter says, God has given us all things to pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. Note God, what God has given. He's not given us some things, as all things, as I said. He's not given us some things now with more to come later. He's given it all. It's done. Whatever we need for spiritual life and godly-centered conduct has been revealed in God's Word. Do you believe that? Well, if you believe that the Scripture is inspired, which I do, if you can understand the evidence that the Scripture comes from God, that is inspired and God-breathed through the Spirit to these men who wrote down these words, you got to believe what Paul or Peter, Paul and Peter are saying here, right? What else has been said about this? Turn over to Jude. Let's see what Jude said. Judas said to say about it. Jude verse 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, there's that word again, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend, earnest, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Wait a minute, what is he saying here? Once for all delivered to the saints. Well, in the Greek, once for all is literally translated one time for all time. In other words, the faith, that body of knowledge which we are to believe was delivered one time for all. If it's delivered one time for all, does that mean it's done then? Like Yogi Bear say, it was delivered one time for all, because that's all you need, because when you really need it, that's what you got to have, which is one time, and that's what you need. I'm sorry, I just confused all of you, but if you've seen the Yogi Bear commercials, you know what I'm talking about. That's all we need. That's what this is saying. Judah's saying, we have the faith. We have what we need. The faith wasn't partially revealed with more to come later, revelations to come later, the faith wasn't revealed just for that generation with a different faith to be revealed for a generation yet in the future. That You, you were a perfect example. That's exactly what I'm going to say. My next question was, does anybody know who Joseph Smith was? Yeah. The Mormon church, think about it. He's the guy that saw, had, you know, the angel Moroni came to him on a hill in western New York State told him there was this golden plates he had to find and he found it and it had the Book of Mormon in it and it talked about how Jesus came and visited the Indians and there was this group of people that lived down in South America or Central America that had Jesus had visited and so forth and the Mormon church came from that and you have all this extra revelation right I remember having a guy a Mormon uh, young man came to my house one time I decided I'm going to talk to him with it Basically told him, you know, we don't need the Book of Mormon. We have everything we have right here. And he said, well, so what? Why can't you just have it? And I said, because we don't need it. It's kind of like Yogi Bear. We don't need it. When you don't need it, you don't have it. You don't have it, you don't need it, right? And his point was, well, so what? It's just extra. I don't need 
scripture today, new scripture, new revelation. I have everything I had right there in the first century. Peter and Paul explain it. Jude explain it. Therefore, the task we have is to contend earnestly for the faith, not looking for a new faith to fit our desires or expectations. One of the things with Joseph Smith, if you know your American history, was that was a period of reawakening, they call it, right? A period when uh, religious fervor was, I guess, lit on fire, right? And, and, and the Restoration Movement kind of came around that time. It, was, it started a little bit earlier than that. But around the 1830s, 40s, somewhere in there, there was a period of great religious fervor in the U.S. And, and in the world, in Europe too. And he was part of that. He was part of that big, uh, I don't know, you might say uh, revival. I'm not sure you'd call that a revival. But that was that period of time. And so it was easy, perhaps, for him to gain followers, right? If you know the history, he was, he was very violent, too. They caused a lot of stuff to happen. Moved to Illinois, ended up getting shot in a courthouse. And then they moved to Utah, and the rest is history. All that stuff, not needed, not necessary. Mormon church is pretty big in America. Has a lot of influence, right? Not needed. Yeah. Very weird stuff. And they don't tell you about that when they come knocking at your door, do they? <laughs> well, we can have another study on Mormonism. It is a cult, I believe. Um, it is something that you got to be wary of. Uh, there are many that you probably have. I know my son was in high school, ran cross-country. About half the cross-country team were Mormons. They went to the church over here on Lawrence and Swanee Road. Uh, they didn't seem any different than anybody else, but, uh, you know, they were part of that. I think some of you went to Brigham Young to run track. That's something that we don't need. The scriptures make us complete, equipped for every good work. Turn over to 2 Timothy, and let's read that verse again. We've read this already, but let's, let's go back over it. Second Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now let's take a moment to think about that. We read that scripture a lot, you know. We, we use that to say the Bible is, is all we need, right, and it's sufficient. But what else does it say there? It's profitable for direction, doctrine, reproof, and correction, for instruction. You can use the scripture to guide your life. It's not just about knowing about Jesus Christ, but it's knowing how to live your life, how to teach your children how to live, how to rebuke a brother in love that you know is living in sin. Ooh, that's tough. That's the tough part, isn't it? But we have all we need for that what he's saying here that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work you see scripture's not I said just not about telling us about Jesus it's also there to equip us for our servant our servanthood our, our work the work that we are to carry out in the church we have all we need it's right there over the years there's been lots of books written about the Bible right I went to a Christian college. 
every Bible class I had, we had the Bible, and then I had some commentary or a syllabus that the professor had written that we used. And, and it was, it, those were helpful, right? They had good things to say. But in essence, really all we needed was the Bible. Because those guys were just writing, I guess, what they thought or what they understood the Bible to say, right? And that could be helpful. But we didn't need that. We had what we needed. That's all we needed. Lots of things have been written about Scripture. All we need, as this verse says, is the Scripture. What Paul and Peter said was delivered unto them. Yes, sir. got to be careful of that, yeah. Curtis saying it, some of these groups, in the, and, and even in Christian schools, you'll uh, tend to look to one man or one person that, and follow them. Kind of like a cult, right? That's kind of like what you do in a cult, exactly. So you got to be careful of that. You don't need all these other things. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with reading a commentary or a syllabus, uh, taking someone's ideas or opinions on what they believe, their interpretation. Got to be careful, though because you can't just take what one person says and believe that's a fact. You need to go to the scripture and look at it for yourself, as the Bereans did, remember? The Bereans searched the scriptures to make sure what they were hearing was true, right? Got to be careful with that. In fact, the scriptures have all we need, and let's look at some examples. Let's go over to the book of John and read some things that were said in the book of John by the Lord, or by the writer John himself. John chapter 20. And when we were studying the book of John, we read this set of verses every week. But basically, verse 30 says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now, the apostle John is saying to us there... This is written for your sake. This was done for you. It's not for him to just write it down. It's for those who are coming in the future to believe. He doesn't say you're going to have something written in 2,000 years down the road. He doesn't say there's going to be other prophets that are going to come along. He says you have all you need right here to know who Jesus is. And I love how John puts that, to have life in his name and that's not just talking about eternal life well when you think about it we're in eternal we're in our eternal lives now we're just in the flesh but he's talking about that life that we have now can be just as abundant and just as wonderful well maybe not just as wonderful you're going to have problems here on earth but you can have that joy that joy that we know where we're going we know whose we are we know what we're all about we are children of the creator of the universe. What a wonderful concept, right? John writes about that. Turn over to 1 John chapter 1. Let's read something else John says about all this. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 1. Let me get there. 
in verse 1. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which is with the Father, was manifested to us. Who's he talking about? Jesus Christ. You remember back in John 1, he's talking about the word that was in the beginning, was with God and became flesh. He's using the same kind of concept here in his first letter. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We, through the Scripture, can have fellowship with the apostles, the disciples, through fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's a pretty awesome thing to think about, right? Here they have the apostles who actually witnessed the things that He did, saw Him, touched Him, heard Him. And through the Scriptures, we can know all about that. We can know who he was, what he was about. We can't touch him physically. We can't hear him with our own ears, but we can hear the words that he spoke through the scriptures. Therefore, we have fellowship with him. Verse 4, And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Through that fellowship, through that knowing about Jesus Christ, through the words that were written by the apostles, we can have that joy. That joy that surpasses understanding. That the world doesn't understand. That the world looks at and says, you're stupid. That's silly stuff. Turn over to chapter uh, 2 there. What else can we have? Verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The scriptures provide us the answers to our sin, how we can deal with our sin. We have help when we sin. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ, right? Go to chapter 5 there. Let's see what else we have. Chapter 5 and verse uh, 9 of 1 John. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. Who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. Just think about that for a minute. People that reject Jesus Christ say God is a liar. That's what John is saying right here. Yet, yeah, a lot of those people will say, I believe in God. Right? Oh, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a religious person. I'm a good guy. But I don't believe in Jesus Christ. They just make God a liar. Did you ever call your brother or sister a liar when you were growing up? Did they ever call you one? That didn't feel too good, did it? In fact, you might have called your brother or sister a liar because you wanted to get after him, wouldn't you? You liar. You ever done that? Think about that for a minute. What else we got? Let's see. Continuing on there. Where was it? Verse 9. These things I've written to you, verse 13, that you may believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And in other words, these scriptures be written so you can have faith, belief, 
a continuous faith, not just something that you do one day and then you forget about it. You can study, continue to grow, continue to believe, grow that faith. Grow your love for him and have greater faith. Remember, if you're still in the milk, if you're still drinking the milk, if you're not eating the meat, you're not growing. That's not the faith we want. As children of God, we need to be growing in the faith. We need to become strong. We need to be great examples, just like Paul and Peter, to those around us. Interesting concept, right? Another interesting concept. Turn over to Romans chapter uh, 16. Let's see what Paul had to say to those in Rome about this. Romans 16, and let's begin in verse 25. Paul says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, the God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Through the scriptures we get to know the mystery. You may think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, the world needs answers, doesn't it? For the beginning of, from the beginning of time till now, man has had this innate need to know how we came about, right? Man has had this thing inside them that there must be something greater than me, greater than us, right? Through the scriptures, we get the answer to that mystery. We get the answer to that question, right? We know about God. And it makes sense, right? It makes sense that there was this greater being that created the world that didn't just evolve from the primordial soup. I was thinking about the other day, you know, who knows how many nerves we have in our body. It's like millions or something, billions, I don't know, even if they can count them. All, and, and our nerves in our body have a purpose, right? Every one of them are there for our help, I guess. You know, we feel pain, we know something's wrong, right? Uh, we eat and drink. We can taste things. We know something's good for us. Well, we don't. It may not be good for us. But it tastes good, I guess. But it tastes good, right? We can tell that. There are things in our bodies that are so des well designed that how in the world could that just happen out of randomness? You know, there's a phrase that says, I, "It takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe in a god." That's very true, right? We have had the mystery revealed to us through the scripture. Man, that's fascinating. We get to know how it all came about. If you don't understand that to be an awesome thing, you know, I don't I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. 
bleeding? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Look, Jim was saying it. Life is in the blood, and how, considering how back in the times of Washington, he was even blood. I got to watch out for these newfangled contraptions up here. Anyways, pa, uh, Jim was saying, you know, the life is in the blood, right? And how back even in Washington's time, they would bleed people to get the disease out or whatever, you know, just crazy stuff. But understanding that that's where the life was, and that's very true. We've had that mystery revealed to us through the scriptures. Through the scriptures, we have the secret. We know about the God. We get that revealed to us. We know what he did for us, his love for us, his providence in our lives, his willingness to be in fellowship with us, his uh, ability to provide a way for us to know him. Because without Jesus Christ, we couldn't know him, right? We couldn't come to him. He couldn't tolerate our sin. But from what he did, we can come right in the throne room and come right before him and talk directly to him. Man, awesome thing, right? Awesome thing. Turn over to 2 Peter. Let's see what else is said about the scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, let's see, let's begin in verse 5, 2 Peter 1, verse 5. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith a virtue, to virtue, and, and listen to these because they're very good. And these are things that, he, that uh, Peter is saying to them, they should be gaining, grasping through the scripture. We start over, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. You should be gaining in each of these things as you're studying the scripture, as you're getting to know God, as you're growing as a Christian. Verse 8, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through your study, you gain knowledge, you gain perseverance, you grow, you understand more and more who God is and who, what Christ was like. And hopefully through that, as you grow, you become more like Christ in your daily lives and the way that you live in fellowship with him and with the Father. Therefore, you are supplied abundantly with that entrance to the everlasting kingdom of Jesus Christ. And notice what I said there, the everlasting kingdom. It's the kingdom that is and was and always will be. It's not Greece who came and went. It's not Persia who came and went. It's not Babylonia who came and went. It's not Egypt who came and went. It's not Rome who came and went. It's not the United States of America who came. 
Maybe going to be going went soon. I don't know. Who knows? But that is the one kingdom that will be there forever. Fascinating. Wonderful thing, right? Wouldn't you want to be a part of it? Through the scriptures, you get to know about that. What else do we need to know or have? I hope through these uh, lessons that you've been given reasons to have faith, to understand the Bible is scripture that needs to be studied. I hope it has enriched your study life, perhaps. And another thing, I hope that it has had equipped you to make a testimony, right? To someone who doesn't believe. To someone who says, oh, these are just a bunch of, just a bunch of guys who wrote stuff back in the Iron Age or the, I don't know, Bronze Age or something, you know? Back when the dinosaurs were babies. I heard that. But it was inspired of God. And you can go through the scriptures and, and, and just see how these things came about. The mystery has been revealed. What a wonderful thing. We have all things pertaining to life and godliness. We have the faith that's been revealed once and for all. We don't need any more. Scripture can make us complete and equip us for that good work. We don't need any more for that. Can we trust the Bible? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. It's been faithfully preserved, translated. It contains the books that we need, all that we need. Rightly, the, the books that rightly serve as our canon of Scripture. And of course, it is inspired of God. Anybody tells you this part is true, but I don't believe that part is true, is a liar. And you can tell them so. You can tell them I said that. If one part's inspired, how are you going if one part is not inspired, how are you going to know which part is then? Because we just read Paul told Timothy, it's all there. We got all we need. It's all inspired of God. It's breathed by God. It can be understood. It's really simple. You think, ah, oh, when I read the Bible, I, 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 Paul writes some wild stuff. I don't understand all that stuff. You need to be in prayer, maybe. Maybe you need to be on your knees and be a little more humble. Maybe you need to continue to study. It doesn't hurt to get an extra commentary or something like that. You've got to be careful with those. It's something that you know is not going to take you down some rabbit hole. But it can be understood. It's not something that can't be studied. And we have all we need. It's completely sufficient. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And Kurt says that Scripture tells us to study, right? It tells us that we need to be studying. What's the old triangle? You need to be studying. You need to be in prayer, and you need to be in service. That's the triangle, right? Showing a faithful Christian, growing in Christ, being part of the kingdom of heaven that is eternal. Atheists and skeptics who are, will reject the Bible, they'll condemn parts of it. Uh, leaders of cults and man-made religions will try to get your allegiance to them. I mean, how many people have predicted the end of the world? You know, and it didn't happen. Well, what was it a few years ago? The, and of course, we've had people that tragically died because of it, right? I, I can't remember if the... Where? Jim Jones. Jim Jones. That was in Ghana, right? 
was that the end of the world thing? Or was he, did he, I can't remember if that was the end. I guess that was an end of the world prediction, wasn't it? When they drank the Kool-Aid, and that's, of course, whenever we talk about drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, the, the comet came along, yeah, yeah. Hellbop, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, Hellbop comet. Yeah, there's been lots of people that have tried to predict the end of the world. What did Jesus say about that? It's going to come like a thief in the night. There will be those drinking and eating and having a good time. That's when he's going to come. It ain't going to be when somebody's predicting it. Well, I hope you've had a good, this has been a good study for you. Uh, we will start our study of the book of Mark next week. I think it'll be a great study. Uh, it will complement John, of course. Remember, Mark is one of the synoptics, so it's very similar to Matthew and Luke. Uh, Matthew being more for those who were Jewish or Hebrew, Luke being more for the Gentiles. Mark's kind of a conglomeration of both, and I think it'll be a great study. All right, thanks for being here.